0: Oh, I bet he left it in there when he went home. I don't know, Mom. You know those bird boys are always taking things from Grandma and Grandpa's house. Addison, that's not a very nice thing to say. It's true though. Grandma is always looking for her things, and they just happen to show up at their house. It was super crowded there, though. It could've been any of the cousins. Michael, look. If you if you left your dragon at your Grandma's house tonight, sorry, we just can't go get it. Um, it's Christmas Eve. We're all exhausted, and. I say, who's up for some hot cocoa? Yeah! Alright, alright, but first, there's been a whole lot of complaining tonight about how crowded your grandmother's house was. I get it, there was a lot of people there. But it reminds me of a story of the night Mary and Joseph and the night Jesus was born. Does anybody remember how crowded Bethlehem was? I do! Mary and Joseph took a long trip to the town where Jesus was born in because there was a census for everyone in the country. Right, and Mary was about to have a baby, so she was going crazy. She was like, Joseph, go find us a room. So (laughs) Joseph ran up to the first hotel he could find. But there was no room for them. There were people everywhere. People sleeping in the lobby. People sleeping on the couches. In the um... In the hallways. Literally everywhere. So Joseph so the guy at the hotel said, There are no more rooms. I've got people
1: everywhere. So Joseph got sad and started to leave. But? He said they could stay in his garage. The, the garage. garage? Yeah, he just had to
0: move his lawnmower. <laughs> there was no, sorry, there was no lawnmower or cars or trucks or anything back then or garages. I mean, they had camels and donkeys and sheep and, and sheds, and that's probably where Mary and Joseph stayed. So let me ask you a question. If two people would have showed up tonight at your grandmother's house, would you guys have made room for them? I mean, God wants us to do things to help people even when it's not convenient for us. Hang on, I have have something to share. Matthew 25, 35 through 40. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Truly, I tell you, when you did this for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me.
1: You thought I was going to get up here and act or something, right? No? No. Um, my name is Moises. I'm still a little baffled by Mike Peters saying he would take off his shirt or something. No, uh, what an amazing time to be here with you guys this morning. My name is Moises. I'm the associate pastor here. Yes, Pastor Andrew is not here. I get it. Yeah, you got me. I'm sorry. Uh, he's in locust. He's preaching out there. I went to locust once, and I don't think they wanted me again, so... I'm stuck with you guys. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, tonight, uh, today we begin this uh, new sermon series. Um, now, before I get to that, um, did that change? Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, I want to highlight that, you know, last week we, we did the one day for, um, um, for um, Convoy of Hope, and, and, and that was amazing. You guys were extremely faithful, and I, I, I know Mike... You know, share the, the stuff. But I want to tell you, we, 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 when all the calculations were said and done, Pastor Andrew committed to doing $25,000 to Convoy of Hope. And you know what you guys did last week in one day? $25,000 for Convoy of Hope. So um, yeah, yeah. You, you may be sitting here like, oh my gosh, here's a church talking about money again. Listen, generosity is about you. It changes you, right? It'll transform your life right it's not us coming after your wallet it has nothing to do with that it's life-changing it'll transform you trust me on that all right but today we begin this sermon series title make room who's ready for it you got room next to you right (laughs) what an interesting title to kick off our sermon series right Uh, because when you think about it and i've told many people this but personally christmas has not through the years have kind of falling back as one of my favorite holidays right Um, I I like Thanksgiving a little bit better because, you know, it's football, family, food, you know. But, But Christmas has gotten kind of stressful for us. Would we agree? Throughout the years, it's kind of been commercialized and it's just kind of gone a different direction a little bit. Maybe not you, but a lot of what you see, we have taken one of the most humbling events in history. And for the sake of celebration turned it into one of the most stressful, high-demanding, image-driven times of year. The reality is that our Savior was born in a stable where animals were being kept. The greatest event in all history happened in one of the most humble circumstances. Jesus, the King of kings, not born like a king, did not live like a king, showed us the scope of humility like we had never seen before perhaps one of the most dramatic and practical displays of humility that you and I have ever been able to witness, a display by by a creator to his creation in hopes that you and I will realize that this world has a lot of fat that can be taken off the top. Amen? Now, listen, none of us here in this room are, are, are being called to be Jesus and to do the same thing he did. Those accomplishments, he died for the world. He came back to life. He was born. He did those things. But we are called to try to be like him, to act like he did, to operate within that same character. So why make room? Well, the reality is that the the Savior of the world was being born, and people looked at him and said, we have no room for you. One of the biggest events, if not the biggest event in our world's history took place. And people who encountered it said, we have no room for it. And it happens so often in our lives the same way. Where big promises and big miracles and big events from God are getting ready to take place. But you and I have no room for it. And we haven't made room for it. In Luke chapter 2 verse 7. It says, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snugly in strips of cloth, cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Other translation says there was no room for them in the inn. There was no guest room available for them. There was no room in the hotel. Now think about that for a second. Those innkeepers were witnessing, you know, what, what would have happened to them after they realized what had taken place? When they looked at that family and say, we have no room, I'm not saying that they weren't busy, that there wasn't people in the hallways and whatever this drama said, right? What I'm saying is they looked at the biggest event in the world and said, we have no room for it. As they later found out, I I sometimes wonder what, what, what could have gone through their mind when they found out and realized that a God moment had taken place right before them and they missed it. Not only a God moment, But the biggest moment in all history, and they missed it because they had no room for it. You know, the noise during this season could be so overwhelming that in many ways it could cause us to miss important things in our lives. Things that we are being called to in this very moment. Simply because we didn't prioritize making room for them. You know, we call faith something that we believe for and we strive for, but sometimes we operate like the big moments aren't going to take place, like those things we anticipate from God aren't really going to take place, aren't really going to happen. And we pray and we repeat the prayers, but somehow we just don't make room for the miracle when we have the opportunity to do so. We desire the miracle, the powerful moments from God, and we're intentional. but are we intentional and proactive in making room for these moments to take place in our lives? What are we doing to get ready for the big miracle to take place? Is there enough room in your life this morning for God to do something amazing? Or are we so busy that if the moment were to take place right this second, we would completely miss it because we just don't have more time? And often the solutions is not, it's not necessarily more time, right? Because... If I laid it up here, we, we all have find, seem to find time to do the things we want most, right? We spend time doing the things we want. We get the things that we want to do, get, we get them done. It's not about more time, it's about shifting more time to do the things that matter most in our lives. And sometimes we have a, a priority shift. And I'm sorry to get all sad with you this morning to talk to you about this in this way, but I think, I think making room should be something that we should really consider in our lives, especially in a season like this. Because we tend to get so distracted by everything that's taking place and everything that's happening that we forget what it's all about. So today we're going to quickly talk about uh, making room for strangers. Not only making room, but making room for people, for strangers. Because one of the reasons why we miss the mark at times is because we initially don't know the importance of the event that's taking place right before us. And and, and the same lack of knowledge will keep us away from the things that truly matter most in our lives. This results in us missing out on opportunities that we have the chance to capitalize on, sent to by God directly, like God literally puts us in front of people in our lives that we're supposed to be pouring into. And you may say Moises, but my story is not fully developed. How can I pour into anybody's life? Well, the reality is that your story is not for all of us. But it is for someone. And God knows that more than you do. So when he places you in front of someone that needs to hear something, you have to make room for that. There is something you can give now to someone. This is not a long-term period. This is not something where, you know, when I was a kid, everyone told me, you're going to be a pastor one day. Right? My dad was preaching, you're you're the pastor. I don't know why they didn't pick Eddie right (laughs) you would think like why not him why me you know so you're gonna be a pastor one day and that pressure was there you know what i didn't do i didn't sit around and wait for the moment to happen i took a step and walked into every door that got open for me it may not i was i was a kids director for like six years no one ever said you're gonna be a kids ministry you understand God is calling you to a moment today where you could be effective today and you could do m- miraculous things today. Make room for it. Don't miss out on the God moment because you just didn't have any room, because it just wasn't the right timing, because your story wasn't fully developed yet. Making room for strangers is exactly that. It's going out of yourself and finding a way to be for someone else. The worst stranger has a bad reputation, right? As a kid when you're growing up, what do they tell you? Stranger danger. Run, right? They don't tell your parents don't raise you up and say there's a stranger. Go say hi to him. No. It's the opposite. Run away from strangers. Get away. No, don't don't interact with them. That they could be dangerous, right? So it's got this bad reputation. Then we go into scripture and God is telling us strangers are welcome. You're being called to strangers. And you're like, "God, but stranger danger." But God is calling us to that moment. You know, something amazing happened in the month of December other than Jesus. <laughs> I, just, I came off wrong. In December 11, 1984, it was a cloudy night. It was a very cloudy night. And this child was born. That's me. <laughs> so I yeah, I used to be a blonde baby. So when you say when you say, "Hey, where did Bash get his blonde hair from?" I said, "I used to be a blonde baby. I'm not lying." <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, so I was born December 11, 1984. 1984. Yep, I'm old, man. 36. Whew. So that guy was happy with Christmas. He loved it. It was difficult having your birthday so close to Christmas, right? Because you know how it goes, right? You get that gift that's really strong, and then you get that other gift that's not that strong because it, it fell in the same month, and my dad would say, the way my bank account works, it's like I got... So it... It was okay, but why bring this up is that the reason why as adults we start falling back with the idea of Christmas is because it's no longer about us. Christmas, when I was that age, was about me as a kid. But as I grew older, it became more about other people and the stress of the family coming over. And as an adult, getting gifts for other people. The amount of times that Rosie and I looked at each other and just like, let's just not get anything for us and let's just take care of the family coming, right? And, and one of the saddest parts is that we've become so used to... Okay, you can take the picture off. I can't, I can't concentrate. <laughs> <laughs> when we were kids... Christmas was about us. Now that we're adults, it becomes about other people and that's what we kind of don't like so much about it. We find ways to get out of ourselves and and do something for someone else and that kind of doesn't sit well. So so what does making room for strangers during this season look like? I have um, three practical ways that I'm going to talk to you this morning about these things. And you, you have your note sheets there that you could use and follow. When it comes to strangers, and the, the first one is making room includes the stranger. It's not only saying I care about people. There's practical things that you and I can do as believers to make this thing active in our lives during this season. Making room includes the stranger. When it comes to strangers, we tend to be, we have this limited approach because there's this bad tendency that we have to the word stranger. We just feel like, if you're not part of my group, I just don't have any room for you. And though there's nothing wrong with being cautious as believers, we should operate under a different kind of rule. I have this personal rule that I use towards people. It's never It hasn't worked a lot. I'll be honest. It's worked sometimes. If I never met you or I don't know you, I use an optimistic approach when assessing you, right? Like a first-time offender. You're like a first-time offender to me. (laughs) I've never met you. I don't know you. You ask me for a favor. I'm like, you must need a favor, right? I used to work at this place in Uptown, and and there was this guy named Terry. I never met before, but I was on call. So I got a call late at night, one night, and I, I went and, and we were right across the hospital, right in uptown, um, in South Kings Drive there. And I would, it was like 10.30 at night, I'm going in to grab some equipment that I have to take to a patient's home, and, and, and this guy, Terry, real tall guy, super scary looking, okay, just waits for me when I leave. When I'm coming out the door and I'm locking up, Terry says, hey, man, I said, hey, I'm terrified, all right? I'm like. You know, in my mind, I'm like, first-time offenders, first-time offenders. This guy, I don't know him. Whatever you need, Terry, what's up, man? He's like, my wife is having a baby or had a baby, and we don't have enough bus fare to get home, all right? I'm like, all right, Terry, how much you need? Whatever you get. Okay, Terry. He's like, God bless you. No, God bless you, man. Like, you know, congratulations, you know, and I give him the money, and Terry takes it. And I don't know, I didn't see him get on the bus, but I know he was going to get his baby, right? What happens is like a month later, I get called on call again, and I'm at South King's again late at night, and who comes to the door again? Terry had forgotten about me, all right? So Terry looks at me dead in the face and said, my wife and I just had a baby. (laughs) And And I don't have enough money for bus fare. I said, Terry, you said this to me a month ago. He's like, really? I really need your help, he said. I said, Terry, you know, but. (laughs) (laughs) Terry, love you, man, if you're watching, dude. So the idea is that we tend to be very image driven towards people. And we build these structures around our lives that say like, hey, if you don't meet this parameters, you're not allowed here. There's nothing I can offer you, right? And I'll get to that in just a second. But when Israel, Jacob, went to Egypt, Pharaoh made room for him and his family by giving him the land of Goshen. The Bible tells us that many strangers, this word stranger is used in Scripture multiple times, left with the nation of Israel when they left, and God included them in in the covenant of Scripture. Listen, I think where we lack is that we know that heaven is exclusive. Okay? You and I understand that not everyone will be in heaven. So we know heaven is exclusive. But what we fail to understand is that this gospel that you and I are called to preach is inclusive. Right? So the job of God is the exclusivity of heaven. He's the judge. He only knows who's going to make it. He only knows who's worthy. You and I are called as people and followers of Christ to be inclusive to a message that is for everyone. We have gotten so caught up in the exclusivity of heaven that we can't see past our boundaries. And when there's people in need right before us, we make our message exclusive because of what we see. I don't mean to yell. I'm just... We too fast exclude individuals. Character, behavior, positions in life. We take all these things and create quick assessments of, of, of individuals. And our minds decide whether that person is worthy to be in our circle or not. Have you noticed that it's always easy to be mad at, pe- at people who, who sin different than us? It's so easy, right? When we see people who sin different than us, it's so easy for us to be mad at them. We think we don't sin, right? When we're making the judgment call, we're not thinking of our sin, but the reality is they're just sinning different than you. Yo, uh, Terry have had a, might have had a drug problem. I don't know. But the message was still for him. He was still in that position, in that place, where he, I was the only guy at 1030 at night with him. Your message is inclusive, not exclusive. In the book of Leviticus, we find the rules of worship or for worship. Over and over again, the phrase house of Israel or strangers among you is used. It's included, right? It's included to show that, 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 that even before the cross, there was room for strangers. Something so personal, so spiritual as it is to worship our God god makes it a point to include strangers not only is it meant to be included in our worship it's also meant to be included in our love we're so over the top when it comes to other people that we don't relate to or we don't know in leviticus chapter 19 verse 33 to 34 it says and if a stranger dwells within you in your land you shall not mistreat them listen to this the stranger who dwells among you shall be with you as one born among you and you shall love him as yourself for you were strangers in the land of Egypt, and i am the lord your god god is calling us to love other people not just the family members that come over for christmas Maybe as I'm talking about this, a name comes up or, or a person that you have encountered comes up, a coworker, someone that you have had the opportunity but haven't done so. This is a genuine thing that we're being called to. God is not asking us to do something that He's not willing to do Himself. He's actually calling us. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 18 to 19, it says, He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow, and he loves who? The stranger. Giving him food and clothing, therefore love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. If you think about this, a lot of us in our lives have all experienced a place where we were strangers, right? Strangers. Like, for instance, me, for in, at going to school, coming to the States, being born in Puerto Rico, coming to Miami, Florida for the first time in my life, not knowing the language. Not, what, what helped? One of the things that helped is when someone looked at me and said, hey, what's your name? I've never seen you around here. Every time you go from elementary school to middle school to high school, you go into that first year as a stranger where others know each other. You don't know anyone. When you start a new job, you go into those positions as a stranger. And I I would guarantee you that all of us would have had an experience where someone looked at you that did not know you and engaged you in a conversation, and that's how that relationship began. We are put as people of God in these positions to be for someone else. And in this season, it shouldn't be so much about us. It should be about others. And we should make room for that. I love this one because he says, I do it, so you do it. I'm loving the stranger, so you love the stranger. Making room also cares for the stranger, number two. What I, what I love about the word cares is that one you can't fake. It's a word that you have to follow through with. Many times, crises in our lives will serve to reveal the genuineness of the people and their faith. You're going through difficult, uncomfortable scenarios, right? We stay away from strangers because it makes us uncomfortable. I, I encountered Terry and I was afraid. It was late. This guy's twice my size. This could go south really fast, right? All these savviness in my life taught me that this moment is one you stay away from. Not engaged, right? I didn't have a concealed carry. I wasn't like ready i'm just kidding i didn't but i'm just kidding you know and, and, and you want these interactions to happen in a comfort zone did you know that the comfort zone is one of the biggest enemies of the human potential because we don't have to do anything we're good if you're comfortable and everything is great then guess what You're not going to come out of your way to go for someone else, to be for someone else, to help someone else. It is the biggest enemy of our human potential as people, as believers of God. You know, these situations will take us out of our comfort zone. In Luke chapter 10, we see the parable of the Good Samaritan. And um, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him dead beside the road. A priest came up and walked to the other side. A temple assistant came up and looked at the guy and then went and walked to the other side. And then you have the Samaritan guy that the Bible says in verse 33, and then when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. When I say cares for strangers that's not a silent care it starts internally but eventually you have to start showing it there's action that follows that the samaritan cared he felt compassion for him but he also helped him physically it says that he soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him he helped him financially he handed him to. The, he handed the innkeeper two coins of silver. This guy actively cared for this person who had gone through this horrible event. There are multiple ways that you and I could care for other people. That goes beyond ourselves. We miss opportunity after opportunity. We're too busy. Just can't. No, not right now. I can't. You know, I, I, I grew up in Puerto Rico and, and, and I think a lot of it, a lot of the things that we, we, we experience have to do with how we grew up and the things that we've experienced. I remember one time we were, um, my parents and I were dri- driving from, it was late at night, we were driving to a, to a, to a, a family member's house. It was around the Christmas season and, and, and I don't know if it was, we were coming from the place or driving there. I was about five, my brother had to have been about six years old, but I can never forget this image. In Puerto Rico, you have these like kind of small roads or highways right on the edge of the ocean where you have a little bit of, 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 of woods and, and, and bushes and stuff, and then the ocean is on the other side. Well, there, there's this little walkways that you could get into the ocean, but there's like green life all around there. Well, we're driving on this road, and because Puerto Rico being the place that it is and the things that you experience in Puerto Rico, you got to understand, like it's not, it's a United States territory, okay? Yeah, there's McDonald's there, I, but... But it's a little bit different right you you see things a little bit different like I you know when you're I was in high school and and, and, and during during like Halloween there's metal detectors they're searching your bags there there's people I mean kids are crazy right they, they're going in there with frozen eggs and, and doing all kinds of crazy stuff right so they're making sure so you grow up in that scenario well my dad I mean my dad's a pastor, okay we're driving down this road and a Naked lady jumps out. <laughs> That's not supposed to be funny. This is a compassionate story. <laughs> Naked lady jumps out. Losing it. Help me, help me. Help me, someone, two guys, help me. She's just like waving cars down. Just like, I, I, you know, like, Pretty much letting everyone know she's in trouble. Somebody either try to take advantage of, whatever the case may be. You know what every single car did? Drove around. Literally, it was a whole line of cars, and all of us like did this. I wasn't driving. That's on my dad. But, <laughs> no, I'm just dad, I love you, man. So, literally every car, every car. You know, every car. And I don't know if it's. Um, I'm guessing, you know, I understand the, the scenario, right? Like, my dad has two little boys in a car, his wife with him. I, I get it. You know, there, there was this notion that people would do this as a trap. So when you would pull your car over, two men would come out and, and, and rob you or whatever. And it was a team of people uh, staging this tragedy so that you would emotionally do something. So because of the evil that we've experienced, we, we, we have put up these walls of protection, and in our efforts to protect, we have failed to prepare. Because our culture continues to shift from a place of honor to a place of shame. Values were once held above current conditions. That was still a woman that needed help. But because of what's happening in our world, we have built these scenarios where we won't cross certain lines. Lines for the sake of our safety. And in essence, not preparing those people that come behind us. I had a horrible scenario happen to me on Tuesday. I'm full of stories today, man. (laughs) Horrible scenario happened to me. For those of you who say pastors don't work. Right, Wes? You know what I'm talking about. So we're in this trailer, all right? Getting this beautiful Christmas decoration ready for you guys, right? So not that it's your fault. I'm not mad, right? Like, <laughs> So we're, we're, we go, we're in the trailer. I'm, I'm, a, I'm on this side, and I don't know if Wes and Andrew planned it, but I'm not going to, you know. I'm on this side moving something. There's like one of these light brackets, but it looked a little different, right? Leaning up against the wall, Andrew and Wes are on this side, way back here. I'm way up there, you know, um, and they move something, or I don't know how it happened. All of a sudden, I'm standing there, and all I hear is, oh, and then this light thing comes down and hits me right in the face. All right? That's why I have this. All right? It's not that I cut myself shaving or anything like that. So I grab my face. <laughs> I grab my Yeah. I grab my face. Andrew says, are you bleeding? I said, I think so. And I'm running into the bathroom in here. When I take off my hand out of my face and I see this thing like open, I start to get dizzy, you know, because um, I'm a little fragile human being. So I start to get dizzy. <laughs> right? Yeah, I saw blood, man. I said, My blood? Ooh. <laughs> Something really wrong just happened. So I look at myself. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm bleeding. I grab a paper towel, put it on my face, get in my car by myself, and leave right? So <laughs> everyone's mad at me because I just got hit in the head and I'm jumping in the car in desperation, just like, I got to stay awake, stay awake. You got to make, save yourself. You know, I went on survivor mode. Like. So I, I, I drive, I drive to the, to the urgent care, right? And my wife is on the phone like, stop right now, I'll come get you. And I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine. I pulled in in the urgent care and this is what happens to me. I walk into the counter, and I have a paper towel full of blood on my face, right? I walk in through the door, right? And I look at the lady. The lady looks at me, and she starts looking for a mask. (laughs) Hey, listen, I'm not, (laughs) this really happened, all right? Won't say a word to me. Full of blood. She's just like looking for a mask. Pulls out this little yellow mask. Listen, wherever you are, you know who you are. <laughs> and she, she pulls this thing out, hands it to me, okay? I put the bloody paper towel on the counter, <laughs> grab the mask, put it on my face. The little line of the mask is, is filling, filling with blood. It's just like, so I grab the paper towel, put it on my face, and she says, may I help you? crazy literally we have lost it we have this is not this is just a scenario all right we have guys there is an issue that we have taken our past experiences and the things that have really hurt and use those things to build these barricades in our lives that no one can enter because we're so afraid to get hurt again that we would just not let it happen. We have built up these things. It, your life could have been tragic. But the gospel that you're called to preach is inclusive. I'm sorry. You know, we, we, we are so, you know one of my biggest fears is? One of my biggest fears is that I come out to be a fraud one day. That someone would just say, you're just not good enough. And for me to be like, I'm not good at, And you know what? I am not good enough. But God has called me to this. So I'm going to step into it and not make exceptions for anybody. We must be so cautious that the devil doesn't expose us. And we end up hardening our hearts towards people that we're being called to. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 to 13, it says, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own heart are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every single day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin or hardened against God. Life is tough. And number three, making room embraces the stranger, and I'll finish up with this. Not only are we going to include and care about the stranger, but we're going to embrace the stranger, embrace that call. And sometimes strangers look like your enemies, act like your enemies, but that shouldn't stop us from embracing them. Remember that the move of the Spirit in your life is inward to conviction, not outward to critique. I'll say that again. the, The move of the Spirit of God in your life is inward to conviction, not outward to critique. We take this truth and make it our own. This gospel, make it our own. Accept God, everything that he's given us, and we say, now we're here and you're there. And the effect of the Spirit in our lives begins to have an outward critique towards other people. Instead of it being an inward conviction for you and I to be better. One of the most amazing things is that Jesus wasn't so worried about the sin of people. He was more worried about things like pride and humility, right? Not their current condition. They could have been in a horrible position. Tax collectors that were stealing money from people. But he was more worried about them being humble. About them being full of pride. In Acts chapter 10... Peter was sent to a Roman army officer in the height of persecution when the Roman army was going after people and Peter's being literally called to his enemy's home in threats of being put in prison to preach the gospel, to make room, to share the good news with those people. I mean, sometimes... Stepping into these moments is not going to make sense. It's not going to feel right. It's going to make you feel really uncomfortable. We read in, in verse 17 that Peter was very perplexed and said, what could this vision mean? In verse 19, he said, meanwhile, as Peter was puzzled over the vision. But that still did not stop Peter from doing the assignment that God was calling him to do. And listen to this. This is powerful, what takes place here and what Peter says. The following day, Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up. I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, you know it is against our law for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile's home like this or to associate with you, but God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean, so I came without objection as soon as I was sent for you. We can learn a lot from that. This gospel is inclusive. We must make room. Let me tell you, there's no neutral ground here. I'm telling you right now, if you take anything from me today, understand that there's no neutral ground. There's no I'll wait and see. There there is, in this walk, there's either one side or the other. There is no middle point. A lot of people like to be passive. If I just hold on to the seat in front of me for a minute longer, this moment will pass me by. And we like to be passive about this and find some kind of neutral ground within the church where we don't have to be proactive towards what God is calling us to do. C.S. Lewis said it like this, there's no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God or counterclaimed by Satan. You will not find neutral ground in this life. You are being called to something today. If you struggle with your interaction with other people, a good way to check your character in those scenarios and and, and, and towards the actions that you take towards other people is trying to ask yourself, am I trying to prove a point with other people or am I trying to make a difference when I interact with other people? In Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 it says, don't forget to show your hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. You're like, this is not for me. Yes, it is because there's no neutral ground here. The gospel is inclusive. Heaven is exclusive. But they don't belong, Moises. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. You were once that person. How many times did God say, you were a stranger once? None of us can help everyone, but some of us can help someone. Will you make room for a stranger this season or simply miss out on the God moment? Because you just didn't have time because I'm traveling here and I'm going here to see this family member and then when I get done with that, I'm going to come back and then I have this family coming over and then we're going to his family side the and fa- then we're going to her side of the family and then we're, we're going to, we still got some gifts we got to buy and then we still got Jimmy, Sandy and like, you know, like. Listen, I'm not knocking on that. I'm doing it. But are you going to make room for a stranger and do something for someone else? This is inclusive. And you're being called to share that message with someone. Bow your heads with me. Dear God, Lord, I just, I just want to pray this, this very moment. I just, I just ask, Lord, that you would just touch the hearts of all of us in this room. Holy Spirit, make it a point this morning, Lord for us to be convicted. If we're convicted about anything this morning, let us be convicted towards someone else so that we care for them. We find a way to think of someone and just just be convicted in our actions towards other people. Move our hearts right now, Jesus, that whatever that name is, that person, that image, or maybe someone we're going to run into this week, help us, Lord, to carry this message that you want us to carry To understand that you take care of the exclusivity of this. We take care or we're being called to the inclusivity of all of it. I believe in you, God. And as this season takes place and starts, Lord, we want to make room. We don't want to miss the moment. If God is right before us, we want to be ready. We want to have enough room. We want to be available, Lord. So would you help us? Give us the ability, Lord, to hear you. And not only hear you, but act. Because there's no neutral ground here, Lord. We want every moment of our lives to be claimed by you, Lord. Not counterclaimed by Satan. Help us, God. Help us to see past ourselves and see more of you in this season. We pray all this in your name. Amen.